Hello and welcome to For the Health of It This Morning. I am your host, Dr. Scott Phillips, owner of Lifestyle Chiropractic and Wellness Center here in the Clock Tower on Main Street in Heber City, Utah. And we are broadcasting live today on KTMP 1340 AM. And uh, we are excited for another show. We're excited to uh, keep people healthy and keep people thinking about their health. Uh, you know, really, it, it boils down to just thinking about it every day, right? If you forget about something, you never really think much about it, then it can, uh, it can deteriorate. Uh, you know, I planted my garden this last weekend, and uh, if I put the seeds in the ground and then just kind of cross my fingers, probably the only thing I'd grow is zucchini because that grows on everything, but maybe the other stuff wouldn't go so well. So... Let's uh, treat our plants or treat our health like our plants and make sure that we're taking care of it every single day. Hopefully we'll give you some pointers and ideas this morning. With me is uh, Melissa Milam. Melissa, again, you've been on the show several times, uh, but we have some fun and exciting news today that Melissa has uh, opened her practice, Verve Nutrition Therapy. It is now located in uh, 150 North Main, Suite 110, which some people might know is the headquarters of Lifestyle Chiropractic, where I work as well. So here we are, uh, now able to not just help people in their chiropractic needs, but then you can go over and see Melissa for your nutrition needs, and we are uh, for sure trying to create that whole body awareness, whole body wellness, uh, and, and so I'm excited. Uh, welcome Melissa on, not just as a guest, but now as my neighbor. And, uh, and anyone that comes in my office, anybody that knows me and knows her, uh, will be very excited to kind of have that well-rounded uh, approach now that we'll be able to bring to this beautiful valley and really anywhere else that, uh, that people want to come from. Uh, so, Melissa, that's a long introduction. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Glad to be here. Uh, we want to start by uh, kind of giving you a uh, little exciting... Uh, idea of what's coming up here in the next little bit this month we are in june now happy june everybody that's listening live and if you're listening on the podcast hopefully you're not listening too long after june so i can wish you a happy june uh but we are going to uh hold our first class in the office and uh, we had this great idea well we it's probably more melissa's idea but i decided to uh, take a little credit and say we and uh, and say that, you know, parents really are a little bit frustrated, a little confused, a little bit uh, unsure as to the nutrition of their children. I think, and nothing's more apparent, and, and Melissa, you can, you know, agree or disagree if you'd like, but for me, going into a restaurant, that's where it's very apparent that we're very confused about childhood Extremely nutrition. Extremely confused. Right, because you open up the, the adult menu, and you have, like, you know, the heart-healthy options, and the calories in this, mm -hmm. and the watch your waistline portions and all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, parents are very uh, concerned and they're getting the fish and the salads and then you flip over to the kid's menu and you can almost guarantee there's a quesadilla, a pizza, uh, some sort of mac and cheese, chicken nuggets of some sort, and, you know, a hamburger. The brown diet. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? It's all the same color. And so, you know, we as adults get really excited that we're trying to eat healthier and then we just give food to our children that will keep them quiet. Exactly. I think parents either freak out about what to feed their kids and they're confused or they just don't care. And it's not that they don't care, honestly. Right. They're just part of a culture that has 
geared, our, our food industry is geared towards children right. to make it colorful and flavorful and fun. And right. parents feel like they're depriving their kids when they don't let them have those colorful, fun foods. So we are going to teach a, a class on holistic childhood nutrition. It's going to be a simple, simple, simple approach to give parents that uh, needed education, those needed tools to be able to make great decisions for their kids. And especially in the summertime, I know I fall off the wagon a little bit myself. You know, the routine of school, good breakfast, send them with a good lunch, nice sit-down dinner when Dad gets home from work. Summertime, it's like, where did the kids go? Where are they yeah. eating? Shove some food in their mouth before <laughs> they get out. Oops, we forgot to do breakfast. And and so I think this is going to be a really, really good class. So I want to tell you about it. Like, I, I hope I've wetted your whistle a little bit, and we'll probably do a class uh, or a show coming up towards the class, maybe even a little more specifically on what's going on. But mark your calendar. It's Thursday, June 22nd, and it's going to be at 6.30 p.m. It's going to be in the office at 110 North, 150 North Main Suite 110. That's the Clock Tower building on Main Street, if anybody knows where that is. 6.30 that night on Thursday. We're going to have all kinds of fun. Uh, Melissa's going to talk a ton. Um, I'm going to hopefully not talk too much. And then we've even got a chef coming out from Connie's Kitchen, who is going to even prepare some uh, some snacks, some things, you know, that the ideas that you guys can have. And so it's going to be very comprehensive, very, very informative, and you will not be sorry you came. Exactly. Is that an okay guarantee to make? Good. Oh, yeah, definitely. You don't want to miss this one. Tickets are $15. We've got to cover that cost of that food, but I promise you won't, you won't uh, feel bad. That'll be the best $15 you probably spent uh, at least in the month of June. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say all year. I mean, you know, was, <laughs> I like it when the movies come out in January and people are like, best movie of the year. I'm right. Like, well, yeah. That's only when the time movies come out. So. <laughs> so anyway, so that, just put that on the calendar. We won't talk any more about it right now, but I will tell you that it's something I'm very, very passionate about. And Melissa, I know, is maybe even more passionate about it, uh, which you will find out when you come to that class. So, uh, but what we want to talk about today is a, is a class that Melissa's been kind of putting on she's been to a couple of real foods places not here in heber but uh around the valleys and uh and it's something that i think people are very confused about again people aren't really sure of and really sure what to do uh and so we're talking about hormones and hormones are kind of a funny thing because uh you know most people especially men when they hear the words hormones they just think of you know the time yeah exactly <laughs> i mean it's i need more testosterone or whatever it is um, but hormones, to just give the definition, it's, it's a substance in your body that every single cell has a receptor for. Every cell in your whole body has receptors for hormones. And so when your body uh, comes in contact with a hormone, it can, uh, it can have an effect on every single cell in your body, which I think is very significant. And then not only that, the other thing that we know for sure about hormones is as we increase and have excess of hormones then those receptors actually start to downregulate. And so here's our problem with insulin resistance, with estrogen uh, over, you know, right. uh, bombarding when we have with plastics and things like that. And so I'm going to kind of turn it around and, and let Melissa kind of give you guys some ideas about uh, hormones and, and what you need to be doing and what we need to be uh, interested in. Well, I'm going to focus on female hormones today, but believe it or not, men and women have basically the same hormones, just yeah. different amounts. Right, exactly. Um, and the reason is because I would say 50% of the people I see are complaining of hormone imbalance 
of one in one way or another. Yeah. Men too, but mostly women, because usually women are the first to admit that something's going on. Well, I was going to say that. <laughs> let's be honest, the men don't care as much. Well, they they care. I think it's I think it's a matter of knowing what to care about. Right. 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 But. For the women out there, I just want to mention, um, I think it's really important to to mention that you need to let go of this belief that the woman's body is scary or shameful. (laughs) And it's, it's something that's kind of been ingrained to our, in in our culture. I think it's important to adore your body and understand that it has, um, amazing abilities. Young girls today need powerful, healthy role models in the women in this, in this valley, in this country, in this world. Um, just of what feminine energy can be. That's a powerful, valuable source. And I want to encourage every woman to embrace the flow of her cycle and to tap into the strength that each phase of that cycle has to offer. So hopefully today I'll shed some light on what that is. I actually have run into a few women who are not even sure what that means. Sure. And what hormones are active when. And, you know, so we're going to kind of clarify some of that today. And like you mentioned, the body creates so many different types of hormones um, and they all interplay. So, one will affect the other. If you have high cortisol, it is absolutely going to affect your sex hormones. Right. Most often in a negative way. Um, but today I'm going to focus mainly on the sex hormones in the female body and kind of go through what each one has, what the role is. So estrogen is the one that we're all familiar with, right? It's the main female hormone. Um, sometimes we call it the growth hormone because it does, it, at puberty, it causes the growth of breasts and hips. Um, and when it's imbalanced with progesterone, cycle arrives on time, skin is clear, moods are generally stable. Um, And that's really what every woman should be experiencing is a very seamless flow of cycle. So when one woman, well, oh, it's PMS, every woman has PMS. That's actually not true. That's actually (laughs) a sign that something's not right. Right. um, And it's not a normal thing. So some imbalances in estrogen can cause bloating and water retention. Um, It can cause excessively light or heavy cycles, breast tenderness, cysts, mood swings, rapid weight gain, migraines, it can even cause like a red flush in the face or rosacea, um, and indefinitely low libido. So that's estrogen. Everyone's familiar with that one. But estrogen's best friend is progesterone, and progesterone's kind of the soothing hormone. And this one's produced by the ovaries, and it regulates um, how thick the uterine lining gets, and it also promotes a feeling of well-being. So often we find that progesterone is really just in it's an imbalance problem with estrogen. Sometimes people call it estrogen dominance when often estrogen's fine, but progesterone's too low. And the only way we'd really know this is by you know testing. We, we do a test called the Dutch test. It's yeah. a dry urine test. Um, but you can, you can tell by symptoms what's really going on. And honestly, even when I get through all of these hormone explanations, the results, really treatment is the same for for each imbalance. So I'm hopefully by the end of the podcast, people will understand where you go next based on their symptoms. Um, so we know progesterone and testosterone, believe it or not, is a very important hormone in women. Um, it's, it's important for bone strength, developing lean muscle mass, and it just contributes to an overall sense of well-being. So it has a crucial role in women's sex drive too. So when libido is low, we definitely want to take a look what's going on with testosterone. So there is a few um, conditions in women where testosterone is really out of balance and it can cause more male-like characteristics in women. Um, it can cause acne, greasy skin, hair to grow where it shouldn't be, skin tags, anxiety, depression, fatigue. And this is a tricky one to treat, but um, definitely reversible. And right. I will, I'll go over that one in just a minute. But the last hormone I wanted to mention in women is thyroid. This one's is so important. 
So thyroid is that beautiful gland in your neck shaped like a butterfly. It's kind of like your body's thermostat, making sure you're not too hot or too cold. Um, It can slow down or speed up the heartbeat. It can um, actually influence the rate at which food moves through the digestive tract. So people who are hypothyroid will have constipation, um, and it can control the way the muscles contract, and even at the rate that cells die, so it can control aging process. So thyroid is a big one. There's an epidemic of thyroid problems. And what most, most people don't realize is that the epidemic is an autoimmune epidemic. It's not just hypothyroid. Huh. So when your doctor says your TSH is, is too high, well, what else is going on? Yeah. What is your T3 and T4 levels? What's your reverse T3? There's so much more to the puzzle than just your TSH level. Right. So um, when th- thyroid's out of whack, the whole hormone system gets thrown off. So I'm sure most women out there are familiar with the cycle, but some aren't. So I kind of want to just basically go over what happens. So day one of of a woman's cycle is progesterone and estrogen are low, and it signals uh, the pituitary, which is a little gland in your brain, to produce follicle-stimulating hormone, and it actually begins the follicle maturation process. Um, And believe it or not, when I'm talking about fertility, this isn't just for women who are wanting to become pregnant or have kids. Fertility is a sign of your health. Healthy women are fertile. Healthy men are fertile. It's just the way that it goes. So this applies to every woman in this phase of life. Um, Then on day 12 to 14, you have a sharp increase in estrogen. It triggers luteinizing hormone to cause a release of an egg. And the ruptured follicle, believe it or not, produces hormone. So women who are not ovulating because they're on birth control or... Um, things are not going well, actually do not get the benefit of that increase in natural hormone production. Hmm. And I say natural because natural hormone production is much more available to the body than bioidentical or something that you would get from a birth control pill. And then on day 28, when that's really just average, it could be 22 to 32 days, um, menstruation begins. And that is the cycle. And it should be seamless and non-eventful and easy. And a lot of times it's not. Yeah, I see a lot of people in my office with headaches and with other types yeah. of body problems, and they always know it kind of is around that time. But they, I think, sometimes just uh, think that it's normal and think that that's the time that they have to suffer and things like that. Right, and, and there shouldn't be any suffering. I actually yeah. had um, a client just come in and say, uh, I know you're doing what, you know, giving me the advice I need to get because I had no idea that I was going to start my period. And she goes, that's the most amazing thing ever. I had yeah. no symptoms before. And like, that's the way it should be. Yeah. You yeah. should have to track it on a calendar just so that you're aware. Right. So no excuses there. I mean, th- that's what we're aiming for is I feel like it's a monthly report card for a woman's health. Okay. So it'd be something that she looks forward to. And she's like, yes, I'm healthy this month. Yeah. Things are good. Um, so as a nutritionist, I do want to mention what hormones are made of. Do you have any idea, Dr. Phillips? Well, I know that most hormones have, uh, especially the sex hormones, have the backbone of cholesterol. Yeah, Which that's it. Uh, I always liked because we get so you know scared about cholesterol. Yeah, exactly. You hit the nail on the head there. So the, of the three major sex hormones, estrogen, androgens, and progesterones, they're made of cholesterol. You're exactly right. Um, males and females all make, make all three. And it's, it's an interesting thing because people get worried about cholesterol, but Believe it or not, your liver makes 70% of the cholesterol that your body needs. And when you eat cholesterol, it gives your liver a break. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Yeah, Why wouldn't you want nice. to give your liver a break? <laughs> so I want to just make sure that people understand that eating cholesterol for hormone production is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I'm talking cholesterol from healthy foods. Right. We're talking eggs 
and good fats from healthy animals. This is all good stuff. But most of the seminars I teach, I have someone raise their hand and they'll say, well, wait a second. My doctor said my cholesterol is way too high, so I'm trying to back off. Guess what? The cholesterol you're, you're eating has nothing to do with the levels in your blood. And actually, we find that people with low cholesterol are at higher risk for disease and early death than people right. with high. Right. So it's not the amount of cholesterol you're making that's the problem here. The part that people are missing is it's the lipoprotein particles that make a difference in your cardiovascular health, not, right. health, not, not the amount of cholesterol. So let's say, let's say Bob has 125 milligrams per deciliter of cholesterol but he has really large buoyant particles and they're just bouncing off the the walls of the arteries beautifully not causing any problems but let's say nancy has 125 milligrams per deciliter right but she has tiny little particles and there's a lot of them in her bloodstream and when they hit the sides of the artery walls they're causing damage because they're small and they're making tears right and the reason they find cholesterol in these damaged parts is because cholesterol is a healing agent when you cut your finger, your cholesterol goes up right? because it needs to get that healing agent to that cut and heal it. So it doesn't have anything to do with how much cholesterol total is in your system. It has to do with the particle number, and most doctors don't test that. No, and exactly right. In fact, we've gotten now to the point finally where we've switched HDL and LDL, and now right. we say good cholesterol, bad cholesterol. But I think what and you're talking about even is those LDL particles. Right. Some, some are the big fluffy ones and some are the tiny ones. And if you don't know which is which, then you don't really know what your number really is as far as a, uh, a uh, effect on your overall health. Exactly. And LDL has a lot of really important things to do in your body. We won't go over everything today because I know we're not talking about cholesterol, but maybe one day we will. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. So um, definitely, if you're worried about your cholesterol, go ask for your lipoprotein particle number. Yeah. yeah. And find out if there really is a problem because chances are there's not. Yeah. Um, I want to mention... I know a lot of women listening are probably past the cycling phase and that's not a worry for them anymore, but they're getting, they're going into menopause years. Um, and menopause is really just defined by lack of menstruation for 12 months and perimenopause happens for about four to 10 years before that. But menopause is not a pathology. It doesn't need to be cured. It doesn't need to be supplemented with hormones right. if done properly, right? It's really, I feel like it's a gift to women that they're not appreciating. Yeah. Um, it's an opportunity to focus on yourself and to really find out what you want out of life. So I just want to mention that um, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> there you go. Those are going to be good years. <laughs> Those are years that a woman really needs to turn inward and look at her life and take care of herself because most women have spent so many years taking care of somebody else. Sure. So respect your mothers and grandmothers and give them peace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving them five kids for uh, a cruise that I'm going on next oh, week. Oh, that's awesome. That's not, that's not, it's the opposite of peace. <laughs> but it's short term, right? Yeah, we better get them a gift card or something. <laughs> so and menopause is kind of like I was talking about with cycles. It needs to be <gasps> seamless and symptom free for the most part. Generally, there, there is some genetics that go with this. So if your mother experienced menopause one way, you're likely to experience it that way as well. Huh. But doesn't, you don't always have to. So that could be hot flashes, insomnia, a little weight gain, which is not a bad thing, by the way. I'll go over that. Mood <laughs> swings, depression, acne, fatigue. I mean, there's a lot of things that go along with it. But if you're taking care of yourself properly, then you're not going to be experiencing those things. It's actually going to be a very easy time in your life. Right. Um, So when I have somebody come in with some type of hormone imbalance, there's five pathways I want to address in their body. And I'll just go over each one if that's okay. Of course. And the first one that's probably the most important to me is blood sugar balance. 
people are like, what does that have to do with hormone levels? It has a lot to do with hormone levels. So when insulin spikes, this can lead to lower levels of an important protein known as sex-binding hormone globulin. Hmm. And for those who don't know what insulin is, it's produced by the pancreas in response to you eating something high in sugar or a very stressful situation. Right. So insulin floods the bloodstream. It grabs all the sugar that went into your bloodstream and pulls it into the cells because if it stays in the bloodstream, it's quite poisonous to the body. Right. It's, it's toxic. So this important sex hormone binding globulin um, binds to excess estrogen and testosterone in the blood and brings the levels into homeostasis, which is mm. just balance. Yeah. So it's a really, really important thing. But um, when your insulin spikes, there's not enough of this enzyme to cover the excess estrogen and testosterone. Right. So it causes a lot of problems. Um, some of the symptoms of, of this, and this is kind of where we see estrogen dominance, right? It's not yeah. clearing the estrogen out of the blood, so there's too much. Right. And this is when women will experience hair loss, low libido, breast tenderness, weight gain, mood swings, insomnia, and thyroid dysfunction. Huh. So those are all, it's a long list of things that just eating too much sugar in the wrong well, and times. In our, yeah, in our country, I mean, that's insulin sensitivity, insulin resistance, insulin spiking. I mean, bl high blood sugar, that's that's the wave of the future. That's what's going on. Absolutely is. So you might be asking yourself, well, what causes an insulin spike? Like I mentioned before, it might not be what you ate. Right. It could be your stress level. Right. Stress, when you produce a lot of cortisol, it floods the system with sugar has to. Your liver's storing that sugar for stressful situations. So your muscles can get food and they yes, can run away. absolutely. So that you can flee the tiger <laughs> yeah, that's fight chasing you. Fight or flight, exactly. Right? And it's so many people live in this state of mind. Yeah, and yeah. honestly, I think I've told you this before, I love the study of genetics. Yeah. I feel like we're not adapted to this environment genetically. It takes 7,000 years for genes to adapt to a change in the environment. Right. That's a long time. Think about what's happened in the last 150 years. Yeah, that's not We're even living, a tenth. <laughs> not even a tenth, so we are not genetically adapted. Right. So when you think about health and longevity and feeling good, you need to think about what were your ancestors doing 7,000 years ago? Yeah. Well, they weren't sitting in front of a computer for nine hours a day. No, that's true. They were up and moving. They were in the sunshine. They were in nature. And what were they eating? Guarantee it wasn't a Lunchable. <laughs> <laughs> you said the magic word. <laughs> so, um, so that's the effect of blood sugar. The other thing I'm seeing that's really affecting hormone health dramatically is gut health. And I know this is kind of a buzzword in the health community right now. And I kind of want to explain what I'm looking for in someone's gut health. So um, what happens is gut inflammation is pretty prevalent right now. And the things that are causing it are antibiotics, birth control, pharmaceuticals, the standard American diet, um, toxic exposure from Every, so many things in the environment, and I'll go over that in a little more detail in a minute, but chronic infection is really common and just stress. Um, and this can cause an imbalance in the gut bacteria. So for those of you who are not familiar with gut bacteria, you have more bacteria in your body than you have cells. Right. And these bacteria play such a crucial role in hormone balance, an incredible role. So um, the other thing that's going on in the gut is, is nutrient absorption is down in so many people. And you would be surprised how many people come in that have low stomach acid. And their doctors gave them a proton pump inhibitor to even lower it more. Right, because they this, feel like it's high acid. Right. And this is an interesting, um, this is an interesting conundrum because your, the sphincter that closes your stomach off from your esophagus 
is nice and tight when you have enough stomach acid bubbling underneath. That's, that's the negative feedback loop. That's what signals that, that sphincter to close. When it gets lazy because there's not enough stomach acid, it opens a little bit. Or it could be a gut infection pushing gases up through the stomach that force it open. So it is very, very rarely high stomach acid that causes GERD or heartburn or whatever, I think acid reflux is Any another term from yeah, yeah, exactly. And so when you get put on a proton pump inhibitor, it might feel better because all of a sudden you're not producing any stomach acid. Yeah. And so there's nothing to bubble up. You're good to go. But proton pump inhibitors are only technically tested for about four to six week use. Wow. And there's people who've been on them for years. Right. So you talk about nutrient absorption. Your hormones need nutrients to work properly. So... Um, if you're not absorbing food through the stomach and the intestines, then you're definitely not getting the nutrients you need, especially essential fatty acids for hormone production. Yeah. Um, hormone metabolism actually happens in the gut as well. So some hormones get metabolized like thyroid hormones. Um, we convert the inactive form to the active form right there in the gut. Most of it happens there. Right. Believe it or not, you produce more serotonin in your gut than you do in your brain. So just another point that your gut health is so important for hormone balance. Yep. Um, an interesting thing that I find with people who have an inflamed gut or an infection, um, it increases beta glucuronidase and this is, it's, it's a hormone like compound, um, that reverses hormone conjugation. And when I say conjugation, I'm talking about liver. Right. So used hormones need to go to the liver to be conjugated into a safe form to be excreted by the digestive system. Right. Um, when your gut isn't working properly, these hormones get recirculated. And when you, like you said before, when you have too many hormones recirculating, especially used hormones that are not active, right. they block receptors. And all of a sudden, you're not getting the active hormone in. So gut health, super important. Hmm. Um, if someone's having gut issues, we will look at a couple of things. First of all, stomach acid. And believe it or not, you can correct stomach acid very easily yeah. with a simple supplement. Um, and maybe a diet change. Well, for most people, a diet change. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing we test for is SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And we are finding this in so many people. Huh. Um, this is an infection of the small intestine that has to be treated. It's not something that's going to go away on its own. Um, if you've done any research on this, there's a couple of antibiotics out there that are great for this. One is rifaximin. But I'm finding that herbal antibiotics are better tolerated and actually work a lot better. Yeah. A little quicker. Yeah. So, and maybe a little cheaper too. I think I, I did Rifaximin personally a few years ago. It was $900. Wow. Yeah. And my insurance wasn't happy about that. No, no, I imagine not. So that's an interesting one, but gut health, super important. Right. The next thing we look at is liver detoxification. How well is the liver clearing excess hormones? Yeah. If you're constipated, it's not. It's not. It's good. not happening. <laughs> so that's a really important. Constipation really is a chronic problem too. If right. you're not eliminating two to three times a day, yeah, you're technically constipated. Yeah, and a lot of people will almost laugh at that, but uh -huh. it's it's really true. I mean, average is what every other day. Yeah, and and honestly, you have a people don't even know there's a there's an actual reflex in your body that when you take food in, it wants to get food out and right. so if you're eating two to three times a day that should have it should happen once you eat your body should say okay now we need to eliminate and yeah exactly every other day i think probably is probably people think that's okay you yeah. know good an average is not normal no We're good <coughs> no so we know we've got a, a, a definite problem with detoxification 
Um, the crazy thing is, like we talked about, those partially metabolized hormones are going to block the receptors for your natural production, and that is not good. The other thing I find that this is a problem with people who have a rare, oh, it's not even rare, it's becoming so much more common, genetic mutation. It's called MTHFR. It stands for methyl tetrahydrofolate, uh, folic, uh, I think it's full. <laughs> I can't even say it. That's, that's the fun thing about reductive or redonic acid. I'll there have to look go. that up. Anyway, it's a fancy name for somebody who is not detoxifying well. And you could have a single copy or a double copy depending on what your parents had. Right. So um, this is something that we'll test for frequently when we can't get to the bottom of a hormone imbalance. People with this genetic problem will often have anxiety problems. They'll often have um, frequent um, fertility problems, um, usually not good levels of folate and B12 because those are things that methylation is needed for. Yeah. And without getting too deep into that one, it's something we can test for. And the other thing is for people who are eating a standard American diet high in industrial seed oils or they're drinking a lot of alcohol, then we know that there's a de detoxification problem. Right. Um, so I'm almost through, I think we've gone through four of the five areas that we check. The last one is the HPA axis. And some people will call this adrenal fatigue, which isn't technically a good term for it. Right. Your adrenals are fine. There's right. no, your adrenals are not getting tired, basically. <laughs> Unless tired. there is physical damage to the adrenals through some kind of accident. Those poor tired adrenal glands. Right. Right? But really what that stands for is hypothalamic pituitary adrenal. So your hypothalamus and your pituitary in your brain communicate with your adrenals, and there's a positive and negative feedback loop. And sometimes that gets broken right. in a way. So your adrenals are fine. Don't worry about them. <laughs> what we need to focus on is that pathway and what is causing the pathway to dysregulate. So there's a lot of things that can happen under this. And, and all, none, number one is stress. Yeah. Absolute number one is this high stress, high cortisol production. And when you have too much of something in the body, your body becomes less sensitive to it, like right. you said. Right. So when you're constantly producing cortisol, that feedback loop gets broken. Yeah. Um, the cell receptors just become less sensitive. So this can lead to, believe it or not, intestinal permeability. So your HPA access can affect your gut health. Yeah, yeah, it's Isn't crazy. That strange? So I think one of our, our biggest causes of leaky gut or inflamed gut is stress. Yeah. So how do we fix the HPA access? It's an That's interesting a great one, question. right? <laughs> well, I think it has a lot to do with sleep, first of all. Yeah. You have to sleep and repair. It has to be how you perceive stress. Your perception of stress means everything. Right. Stress is a normal part of life. It just is. Yeah, it's not the stress that kill that kills us. It's the stress response in our body. Right. So why why do I you know react differently to a stress that someone else does? The stress is the same, but why does my body you know right. react differently? And sometimes the stress can be coming from the inside and not the outside. Right, exactly. So people with chronic infection, like the one we talked about, SIBO, yeah. or even someone who's had a root canal that was not properly cleaned and sure. closed over, that can cause internal stress. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different areas we have to look at in, in the stress response. But those are definitely the five areas that we want to make sure are working properly so that hormone function can happen. Um, the other thing, and this isn't... This is something in general I think people need to know about is that your essential fatty acid metabolism plays a huge role in your hormone production. Um, so too much omega-6, which 
This is an essential fatty acid that everybody needs, but you don't need very much of it. And it needs to be really well balanced with omega-3 fatty acids. So some of the sources of omega-6 in the standard American diet, probably the number one source, is industrial seed oils. Right. So when you go get your French fries from the restaurant, that's an industrial seed oil. Yeah, yeah. Um, the canola oil in your cabinet, that's an industrial seed oil. Um, so cooking oils play a huge role in this. But it's okay to get omega-6 fatty acids as long as you're balancing them out with omega-3s. Right. And really, honestly... I have researched this through and through. You cannot get omega-3 fatty acids in the quantities you need from vegetarian sources. Sure. It just doesn't happen. Sure. Um, your best sources are cold water, fatty fish, low mercury. We're talking you know, um, Alaskan salmon, mackerel, sardines, anchovies. These are all really good sources. Yeah. So I'll have people say, well, I'm taking my flaxseed oil. I'm like, great, but you're not getting your <laughs> omega-3s from it. So I think in my vegetarian and vegan clients, that's the thing that we find is probably out of balance. The, the hardest. Most. Yeah. 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 And sometimes we'll have to supplement it or wholeheartedly talk about. Wholeheartedly <laughs> have a good chat. Diet sources about. and what were we eating 7,000 years ago? Right. I right. don't think it was a largely, and, and don't get me wrong, there are cultures who do eat a largely vegetarian vegan diet and they do well, but their genetics are adapted to that. Right. And most of the people in the U.S. Ha are not. Okay, so essential fatty acids, we talked about balancing the omega-6s and omega-3s. I want to mention some really good cooking oils for those who are confused about that. Sure. Because they'll say, well, wait a second. Canola says it has a lot of omega-3. Well, <laughs> canola is made from rapeseed, which is a plant. You're not absorbing those omega-3s. Right. Not to mention, to get the canola out, they have to use solvents. So you're yeah. not just getting yeah, canola. Exactly. You're getting, yeah, you're getting chemicals. So some good cooking oils. Coconut oil is fantastic. Um, I can go on and on about saturated fats and how good they are for you. <laughs> that's, another, um, that's another show. It's another too. show, and we will do that because I know that's a confusing topic. <laughs> yeah. Avocado oil is one of my favorites. Yeah. And it's okay to use beef, flour, uh, excuse me, beef tallow and um, pork lard if you get them from really good animals. Right. And there are good companies out there that make those. So perfectly good cooking oils that are not... Well, because you want to, you know, tell people about olive oil that people like to use and try to cook with. True. It's It's hard to heat up very high. I think 350 is about as high as it goes before right. it starts to break down. So it's not a great cooking oil. No, and as soon as it smokes, it's oxidized. Yeah. And you might as well call it a trans fat at that yeah, point, exactly. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the oils I just mentioned are really good at pretty much any, I mean, they, they will smoke at really super high heats, but coconut oil is super stable. Right. So is avocado. Right. Those are good cooking oils. Um, and then I feel like getting a, a small portion of cold water fish per week, you know, two, three times a week is really good. Yeah. I want to caution against fish oil consumption, however. Sure. So most people will go to a health food store and just grab one and call it good. I'm not going to eat the fish. The cheapest one. Right. So if you <laughs> cut that capsule open and you smell rotten fish... That fish is oxidized. It's already oxidized. In fact, the burping of the fish that people complain about is because they're yeah. taking rancid fish oil. <laughs> rancid fish oil is going to have the opposite effect. It's yeah. going to be very inflammatory. Yeah. There honestly is only one company that I like for a fish oil, and that's Rosita's Organic. Yeah. The rest of them, um, Nordic Naturals has some good products. Right. Uh, but it's hard for me to back up a fish oil just because I know that the processing and shipping and all that, things can exactly. happen. So I'd much rather people just eat some good fish. Well, when you don't have any type of regulation for fish oil, you just hope that it's what it says it is. You yeah. Know? I mean, there's just no, not that the FDA is a fantastic governing body, but there's nobody. I mean, I can go make fish oil in my bathtub. You could. <laughs> Please don't do <laughs> <Market> that. Market <laughs> organic, you know, and say, hey, everybody, come and. 
Take my fish oil. And yeah, no, exactly. I think food sources, that's what we're starting to find out, is the food sources is where we get the nutrients, where our body uses the nutrients. Even if, you know, even when you get the capsules from food sources, it's still not quite there. And so if it's possible, you need to do it. Yeah, that's actually a really excellent point. There was a study recently um, on lycopene in tomatoes. So they took just the lycopene nutrient by itself, and they, they gave it to men who were having prostate issues. Yeah. The lycopene in the pill had hardly any effect, where the tomato right. increase had a huge effect. So, yeah, I think food is such a complex thing. There's so many different chemicals and enzymes in that food that make whatever that nutrient that these scientists have singled out yeah. work. So you can't replace food. And no. in supplements, you're right, they're not regulated properly. So if you're going to be a supplement taker, talk to someone who knows their companies. Right, right. Um, just because your friend takes it and loves it doesn't mean it's a good company. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I wanted to mention, and I know this is not nutrition-based, but anything that touches your skin is going to go into your bloodstream within 26 seconds. Really quickly. Really fast. <laughs> so the lotion that you're lathering on, the sunscreen, it's in your bloodstream. Yeah. So it yeah. definitely counts as nutrition right. in my, right. from I my agree. perspective. So this is probably one of the biggest hormone disruptors, disruptors that I'm finding in people. They're just not aware that they're deodorant. Um, for women, their personal care products are probably one of the worst exposures to um, xenoestrogens. Yeah. And this is just an estrogen-mimicking chemical that you'll find in women's personal care products, deodorants, plastics, um, face creams. Yeah, yeah. You name it. So what do you do about this? Well, take it slow, first of all. Don't freak <laughs> out. Don't go dump everything out. One thing at a time. But I want to just mention the Environmental Working Group yeah. is an invaluable resource. So this is a non-political, non-partisan organization. They're dedicated to human health. They test vegetables, fruits, personal care products, house cleaning products, even mattresses and couches that off-gas. So definitely a website you want to get familiar with. Um, again, that's Environmental Working Group. Highly recommend checking that out. And they actually will verify products that they're pure and that they're not going to disrupt your hormone cycle. So check those out. Um, so back to women and hormones. One thing that I'm noticing is that body fat plays a huge role, too yeah. little or too much. Yeah. So there needs to be a fine balance. When you go through perimenopause, you're supposed to gain three to five pounds. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Your fat is actually a hormone organ. It produces right. estrogen. It, and it produces other hormones too. It's in men too, by the way. Yeah, 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 right? <laughs> so excess body fat in men can be a bad thing. So I just want to mention there is a sweet spot there. Um, you can be an over-exerciser and have very little body fat and have terrible hormone cycle. Yeah. Or you can be eating way too much of the wrong thing and have a lot of body fat and have terrible hormone cycle. So there's a really good mid-ground there yeah. that um, most women need to find. And really, that is that in a nutshell is what I look for yeah. in somebody with hormone imbalance. It, the diet plays such a huge role in it. And uh, we won't get into too much about what to eat because... I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to talk about that in the future. <laughs> well, you know, you want to just wet people's whistle a little bit so then they come and see and talk to you. Think about ancient Americans 7,000 year <laughs> yeah, 7, years ago. What were they eating? So, uh, so uh, Melissa, and tell people what your website is so they can kind of go and check you out a little bit and just maybe how to contact you. Sure. Um, my website is Verve, V-E-R-V-E. The word means like energy, good energy. Yeah. So Verve Nutrition Therapy. And um, I am a board-certified holistic nutritionist. I studied at Nutrition Therapy Institute in Denver, Colorado. And 
I'm available at your office now. That's right. Yeah, no, so uh, so check her out. Uh, there's tons that she looks for, tests for, uh, diet advice, meal planning, all that kind of stuff. Um, yep. You know, when I teach my nutrition classes at UVU, I always ask who wants to be a nutritionist, and of course maybe one or two person will raise their <laughs> hand. But then I'll say, look, then who's going to choose what you eat? Who's going to choose what your kids eat? I mean, really, we need to all be nutritionists in a, in a you know, some sort of form. And so we need to get experts there to help us and train us and tell us what to look for and what to do. And uh, so we're really excited. You, I know you've been in the Valley before, but we're really excited to have you in my office. Uh, and hopefully we'll see tons of people come in. And like I say, we'll just get people back on track. So today... If you haven't paid much attention to what you eat or your body's hormones and things like that, I want you to think about it today. I want you to get in touch with Melissa if you need a great person to be in your corner to help you, uh, help you, you figure that kind of stuff out. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully you guys have something you can think of and, and do this week to be healthy. And I challenge you to just go out and do it and be healthy. And if you do it for no other reason, of course, do it just for the health of it. Thank you for listening. <laughs>